Blog Talk Radio. Cheese is right, you know, but hold it down, player. You a dog. 
I'm a real nigga, I ain't gonna stop accepting your phone call. I'm a blow and toss a hole for you like I'm supposed to do. I'm serious and focused too, you know I'm overdue. The first nigga to park a Rolls Royce in the bricks while I fly a private charter out of town by a bitch. I'm about to bounce back, bounce, bounce back. I'm about to After dark, I'm your host, Angela Coaches. I want to go ahead and welcome in Angel and Coach K. Thank you guys for showing up. Steady J, guest 2239, thank you for showing up. Those listening via Facebook and other widgets, I appreciate you. I believe the guest of honor has showed up, and I'm going to pull him in. Mark? <laughs> yes, how you doing, Deidre? I'm doing great. That's good. I'm so sorry I am late. But, uh, you know, hopefully I'm right on time. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right. Um, so got you here now. So we're gonna go ahead and dig into the interview. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. That's what's up. So from what I hear and what I read, you're um Merlin native? Yes, born and raised. Um, yeah. I lived there for about nineteen years. Then I um lived in Chester, Connecticut for six, went back to um Maryland for six months, then I went off to Nashville for two years, moved to Atlanta for five years, and the last seven years I've been back in Baltimore, but I'm hardly there. Like right now I'm in Miami, Florida. Wow. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm appreciative, you know, it's better than working at McDonald's, so, you know. Hey, no, that's funny. <laughs> that's what's up. So, um, you like your Boston Ravens Say that again. Are you a Ravens fan? Oh yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I'm um, I notice I'm a people fan. Like I follow people more than I do the teams. And if I like the person, then I follow the team. And you know, I've always liked Ray Lewis. Um, so I follow the Ravens. But I mean, you know, in general, I do follow the Ravens. You know, but for instance, like I love LeBron, so I love the Cavs, and if. And I don't, you know, I'm not particularly a Lakers fan, but if LeBron went to the Lakers, you know, I would like the Lakers, you know, so. <laughs> That's so. Well, definitely shout out to Merlin. I was born and raised in Merlin in D.C. area, so. Okay, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Growing up in um, Baltimore, how was it? Oh, man. Um... Uh, I mean, Baltimore, you know, I'm, you know, it's funny that I'm really, I'm, I would not have, as I look back, I'm so glad I grew up in Baltimore. It taught me more, many things. Like, I'm I'm so glad that I grew up in Baltimore and compared to, like, New York or Los Angeles or Houston, even though it made, like, my favorite place to be, you know, it is, you know, Baltimore is, like, not, like, nowhere near that number, you know. But I'm glad, and I would not have wanted to grow up anywhere else because it taught me a lot of things. Just, um, and you know, just you know, harshness of reality and like how good like you know things can be. You know, I one thing you know, I'm so proud of my father is that my father. I got to see firsthand, you know, my father who grew up. He didn't really grow up with money, but he, you know, made a way for himself through education, and I could see that part of it. You know, and so. And you know Baltimore, though it, it, it is like the wire, but that's the part. That's parts of of it. You know, you have good parts. You know, you know, and every city I've gone to, you know, they have good and bad parts in the city. So I've been blessed. You know, I enjoyed it. That's what's up. That's definitely what's up. Um. So, what age actually did you find uh, poetry? Um, I was 22 um, when I started writing. Um, it it uh, actually, long story short, I started writing novels first, and I started. Um, the first thing I wrote was a true story about a young lady that I was dating at the time. I didn't like it, but it was to show that I could do it, and and um. A very long story. Basically, I started writing poems at the end of my novels, took it to class one day, and my teacher liked it and went crazy over it. And it was, he told me that I needed to continue doing what I was doing. So 
and long and another long story short, tried to put me in the direction of somebody else. Um, and I bumped into this person, and he introduced me um, to my way of life now. So, you know, it's kind of funny because sometimes I blame. I find that I blame those people instead of thank those people. <laughs> you know, I'm like, God, I blame all this shit on you. <laughs> wow. Instead of instead of like, man, thank you so much. You know, just push me in the right direction. <laughs> Do you have any regrets? You say, um, no, I don't. I mean, and and I say that in jest. You know, I'm just kidding. But um, no, I really don't have any regrets. Because, um, I mean, in, in regrets to the sense to that, um, you know, it, it, like, that I'm, I don't appreciate, that, that I totally wish I could, like, just take that back. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what I'm saying is I don't regret, like, I'm thankful I would not want to change my career. You know, like, I used to play basketball, and, but then... You know, after a while, I realized that I like I blew up my back, and I'm totally I had no idea what I was going to do. Didn't think basketball was even going to be what I was. I mean, didn't think that poetry was going to be what I'm going to do. And I bumped into it, and and I'm thankful for it because I, I realized I can touch so many more people. You know, um, like uh, just through words than I ever could bouncing a basketball. So, you know, I'm I'm very thankful for it. And I don't have any regrets, like, the decisions I made um, as far as, you know, um, my lifestyle, you know, because I know it's a bigger picture. But I have, I have maybe things that I wish I could have did differently, but regret is such a strong word, you know. I take regret as a word like you just wish you could have, you know, taking the whole thing back because I find that I learn stuff out of, you know, my misdeeds. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Um, I definitely feel you on that versus the bouncing the ball and writing. You can definitely touch someone, actually change someone's life. And I've been listening to your work. It's powerful. I so appreciate you. To- you. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, you. I appreciate Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a poetry junkie, and so is the family. So no, no. we're going to take a, a short break, and I'm going to share with them a piece, and this one is his story. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, John, we're going to go to our next caller. God bless you, and I thank you for calling in. Oh, okay, well, um, what I wanted to say was, uh, well, hello. Okay, well, if, if you can believe in Jesus Christ, then can I, can I believe in uh, Tupac Shakur? He was betrayed by his uh, disciple, yeah. um, Knight. I mean, I believe in him, and he, he is dead. Like, I, I, it was, it was a hip hop crucifixion. All right, was he raised from the dead? Do you believe in evolution? You see, what, why I ask you that question is simply because, you see, you're telling me about a rapper that died. Yeah, but he was crucified in the streets. What if this were really heaven? What if we just been killing off a paradise and this will own afterlife when we die? Realize that the front gates never really assisted. But they got a back door that was crap wide enough for you to sneak in. What if God stares right in your face? What if he never really has anything to say? And what if he did? Would it make a difference? After all, he'd just be answering questions and never had the chance to go back to religion correct in the first place. 
And what if he told you the tales and holy books were written merely just for stage plays? What if the Bible was really a collection of short stories and poems? And what if the Quran was nothing more than just someone's beautiful memoirs? And what if time was just a color you could put on? So you could dress yourself in the garment of Egyptians in 3000 BC? And what if they said the water was really red? That's why they never called it the Blue Sea. And what if Moses told you that that burning bush he spoke to? He was really talking about smoking some weed. And what if you could meet Jesus? And he told you that he was nothing more than a carpenter. And what if he told you that he could never really walk on water? But he could build you a home strong enough to sustain the rain when floods come. And what if Socrates was really a bum? And just badger people about how perfect their lives were. Just so they feel guilty and give them chains like the homeless. And what if gold was really worth the same as silver? It was just the color people love most. And what if money was really the most important thing in life? Only because it shows the type of things we sell our souls for. What if babies were really aliens that grew up to be human beings? And what if Martians called their planet Earth? And what if Einstein was really the dumbest motherfucker in the universe? So what if space? It's just space. What if Thomas Jefferson never really owned a slave? What if Marilyn Monroe never had a thing for the president and all his men? And what if Malcolm X ate poor once a week? And what if Dr. King never really had a dream? He just thought it would be a cool metaphor to use in a speech. What if lies? But really everything I know my eyes see And the truth was what people just told me So what if the definition of loving someone Was to let them think they deceive you Just because maybe it helps their self-esteem And what if Gandhi told you that they got it wrong He truly believed in bearing arms and what if Adam and Eve never got along And it was really Peter that spoke to men like Joseph and Abraham And convinced them to start sacrificing goats and lamb I tend to think whether it's religion Government systems or relationships we're all living by a set of rules by those who made out before suspect us right now to be abiding to. So what if we could just go forward to the beginning, before there were contradictions? What if this were really the afterlife? What if we just never took note? What if angels thought it was best to promote the description of heaven and the bones they wrote? And what if they just told you that God was really somewhere performing as a stand-up comedian? And they just complained at the end of all his sets. No one ever got his jokes. Now, <clears throat> when you say religious, what does that mean to you? Um, praying every day, going to church. At 4.30, the show is over, but you can stay on the line and we can continue the conversation. Is that okay? If, if, if I waited online for like... No, I hear you. To like, get like two minutes of air? Yeah, no, you've got four or five minutes, but I, I just want to say that if... Forget it. Wow, that's deep right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we got um, people in my chat room that said that was a good piece, and they they feeling that. Can you share some light on the piece that you wrote? Well, actually, um, you know, it's funny because I have a tattoo on my um the inside of my forearm with pyramids, and it says our story. And you know how they say history is his story. But so I t- put, took the pyramids, and no, nah, that's not his story. That's our story. And um, But even deeper with the poem, I took that meaning of history as being his story. You don't understand. Like, everything we follow in life, whether it's the rule, gov- way of government, you know, religion, you know, even relationships, how we go about it, you know, marriage, we're living by 
a set of standards and rules that people who ain't even around no more. They lived thousands and thousands and thousands of years before us. But, you know, and while things, so many things advance, technology, you know, it, it seems like sometimes our morals or, you know, our, our way of thinking stays behind. You know, but why shouldn't we progress with the times? Just like everything else is progressing with the times, you know, I feel like. And I feel like, and what if, and what if those men were wrong? You never know. I mean, they could be wrong. But, yeah. but you know, I mean, because, I mean, there's a lot of people who's wrong now with some things that they're saying in the present, you know. So history is nothing about the winners. You know, the winners write history. The majority of that time, they write history. And then they go back and then they rewrite history when new civilizations come about. They want to depict it and tell you what's going on. Just like with the Sumerians and the Aztecs and the Mayans, you know, they, they try to explain some of the things that they have on their walls, you know, uh, their writings. They try to describe it as myths and stuff. But, you know, uh, you know how do you know it's myths? I mean, maybe that's not what they wanted to be for myths. Maybe they're really trying to tell you something, you know. So I just, I just tell people, you know, I just try to tell people, you know, just to open up their eyes, you know, and to, like, listen with their ears and, you know, and open their hearts and, and your way of consciousness. I mean, you know, truth is inside you, you know. I mean, and a lot of times, you know, especially religion, they try to make it where, like, if you think too much, if you question too much, that's blasphemy. no. It's not blasphemy. I mean, God is, first of all, we don't even understand the universe. How are we going to understand God? We only know 10% of our waters, the bottom floors of our ocean. We only know 1% of our solar system. So we, so we even know way less than 1% of the universe. But you're going to tell me you understand what God intended you to do here? Come on, man. No. <laughs> wow. I feel you on that. Wow. Mm. Huh? I'm sorry, I just I know I went on a little bit of a rampage. Oh no, you're fine. You're <laughs> <laughs> fine. Setting out frustrations. Look for it. You can't just take someone's word for it and be like, well, you said it, so it got to be true. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, I'm just, I tell people, you know, you don't you don't have to believe me. I'm just asking you to think. You know, you don't have to believe me. But but why? But if you don't believe me, fine. Why are you gonna believe somebody else who who, who ain't here no more? Who's telling you something? Why? I'm telling you to think, you know, just think. And if you still think and you come to that conclusion, fine, and that's your conclusion of, of whatever, you know, subject matter it is. But at least at least think. Don't don't always say, no, nah, this is right. You don't know it's right. Fucking think. <laughs> you know? Real talk. That's what's Um, Let's see here. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. What piece did you do? That no, nah, I'm gonna rephrase that. What piece have you done on stage that you felt that was your best? Uh, well, my my best poem. I mean, you know, it varies. It depends. You know what you're talking about. I even tell it's like this. It's all about preference. Artwork is all about preference. You know, this, just because somebody may like, like my work, another person may not. And I'm totally cool with that, and I'm totally understanding of that because I have the same feelings. You know, there's art out there that I don't like, that somebody right next to me loves. So I understand it when it comes back to me. But, I mean, so in saying that, it's also preference in the mood that I'm in. You know, I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, a poem about politics can have the same effect on me as a poem about myself. You know, so I really... 
I, I really, and even sex poems, you know, it's just like, it's, it's an all enjoyment in it that you have on stage that it's all different emotions that you have to, you know, like you just can't take one emotion as being your best, you know, but, um, so, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, but there are poems that fit certain emotions that, you know, that, um, I've enjoyed performing or that I, enjoy for myself. I will say that I'm inspirational. I mean, inspirationally, though, wise. Um, poems that hit me um, with an inspiration or an aspiration to do better are uh, poems that maybe I've written about, you know, my lifestyle, whether it's a poem called Still Moments or a poem I sent to you called Perfect or a poem I used to do called Priceless. Those are all poems, or Marching with the Lord's Signature. Those are all poems that aren't per se political, but they're about, um, you know, uh, more so, you know, about my lifestyle, you know, and and the rigors of being a poet full-time and just try to advance your art. Um so I get inspired by those more so than I would uh, maybe anything politically. But still, you know, I enjoy my political poems, you know, almost just as much, but in a different way. Okay. So when you're on stage and you get the reaction from the crowd, how does that make you feel as a poet? Do you feel like you've done your job or do you, it doesn't have no effect over you? Um, no, I mean, it, it definitely feels like you're doing your job because you're seeing that you're finding people that agree with you, you know, or is understanding, they're understanding what you're talking about. But sometimes what I've started thinking, though, is, is maybe I'm not doing my job if all of them are agreeing with me because I'm just preaching to the crowd. I'm preaching to my crowd, you know, so I tend to, I like to go into places where I know I want to chant, chant, um, challenge people's ways of thinking to where they won't stand up and give me a a, a a standing ovation at the end, or they won't hoop and holler in the middle of my poem. They'll be sitting there thinking like, oh, my God, is he really saying this, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I've been getting, you know, it's funny, the last two years I've been receiving hate mail, and and I've even received, like, a couple of death threats, like, as far as, like, two months what? ago. but. Yeah, but and you know what's funny is I, I I remember telling somebody years ago, um, you know they asked me you know when will you feel like you know you, you've made it and I told them you know when I start receiving death threats. So it's funny I feel like I've arrived now. You know it's like I made it. I'm here. That's what happens when you make it. You scared me. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I mean I mean it's just the fact that you know what like. It's not even with poetry. I know even with conversations that I have with people. You know, somebody who I admire a lot was Socrates um, because he said, well, not that he said, but every, everything that, you know, he, you know, it was Plato and Aristotle who really wrote the books, you know, after Socrates. Really, it was really Plato who wrote everything down Socrates said. Socrates' way of, of going about was pulling people aside when he walked past them on the street. He was like, here, hey, let me talk to you. Let's have a conversation. And, you know, I find that my conversations are so much deeper than my poetry, and I can really get in somebody's intellect when, you know, I'm having a conversation with them. So, and so if I can do anything like that in my poetry, if I can spark anything like, and really a lot of my poems are based off of uh, conversations, but if I can... Um, 
spark anything like that in my poetry to get somebody thinking. You know, I've done my job. You know, it's like, um, it, it's you know, it's 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 funny. I have a line in one of my poems, uh, like, "Who's really scared of dying?" And I ain't like nobody's ever really done that for that before. I mean, for real. It's like we all gonna die. I mean, why not live for something? I mean, for real. I remember that piece, and that was just totally. It was funny, but at the same time, it was real because, right? How can you be afraid of something you never done? And none of us is walking here ain't died before, so you can't possibly <laughs> be scared of uh, something you never experienced. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, but in a sense, I mean that like everybody is going to do it, so why be scared of it? I mean, it's not like I mean, it's not like nobody's ever really done that before. I'm saying like there's been billions upon billions of people who have died before. I mean, what the fuck? It's gonna happen. So why not live for something? Yeah, pretty much. Um, not to dwell on it, but I, the captain wants to know: um, Are you getting these threats and the tape mail from what you're saying in your poetry, or are they just taking you curious? No, that's what I'm saying in my poetry, because it's been mostly through videos uh, online. Um, in fact, they can go, one of them is if the South had one, slash Mark Marcel, type that into YouTube, and you can read the hate mail that I get on that. Um, I probably got over, like, 300 comments now on that video. It's just people like, fuck him, like, he should die. And, like, it's crazy, oh, man. wow. Uh, and what's even funnier than that is that they take what I'm saying out of uh, its content. Like, they have... Just understand what I'm talking about. They take it where um, 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 the poem is basically about uh, telling black people to wake up. Like the poem's called If the South Had Won, and I'm basically saying, you know, it's like the South won anyway because black people haven't woken up. You know, and the poem is six, like five years old, six, five years old. Um, and, um, but people take it as I'm, t- I'm blaming white people, and like they're like, oh fuck him, fuck it, you know, it's just it's crazy, man. And they're like, fuck you, racist nigger. They mm. racist and a nigger in the same statement. It's crazy. It's like the biggest oxymoron like I've ever heard. But I leave it up. I do not erase it. I leave it up because I want people to see how ugly they can be. You know, it don't bother me. I, I wish they would come to my venue. Like I really do. And I wish one of them would have the balls to say it to my face. I really do. <laughs> no, wow. I really do. You must be doing something. They say when you speak the truth, you know, people they don't like that. Yeah. I mean it, so. Yeah, I mean they've murdered all our truth tellers. Gandhi, uh Martin, Malcolm, I mean, you know, Robert Kennedy. I mean, they murdered all our truth tellers. Jesus, if he really lived back then, I'll give him the benefit of doubt and say he did. You know, hey, I mean I mean, they murdered all our truth tellers. Well, um, Mark, let's let's share another uh, piece. And I heard you say something about perfect, so we're gonna share that with him. Okay. That was uh, the great Mark Marcel with a piece that warms both my poetic ears and my pagan heart. Now, this is actually the only album of Mark that I'd ever heard, even though I've known about him for years. And I was surprised once I started digging to find out clearly this is one hugely prolific poet. He's released three more since this one came out. Maybe the world was made for me. Maybe I just pictured the mountains and valleys here, cry tears into the rivers and seas. 
form of a broken heart Just so I could travel around the world spitting poems Like I was trying to bring back the continents to rip the part So maybe my hopes are nothing less than the fascination I've had For watching the artists that the darkest art And slept on corner streets Maybe I saw my face sketching a portrait And heard my dreams in a pain that just resembled all we ever wished for So sometimes I think maybe I've just been fighting my lifestyle for the wrong reasons Maybe it's just perfect Maybe it's exactly how it should work Maybe I die alone because deep down that's all I ever really wanted Just me and my poems Come on, we're all a slave or something Maybe it's my problem holding down a commitment It's not the women It's just after eight years I realized my drug of choice has been my art form Like I was at a point where I felt were born to be cursed Like I was going to end up in a hearse with thousands of poems of beautiful words All from the torch of living at first But I'm learning to love life again I'm hoping it's not the money I'm making My only objective was to leave my blood, sweat, and tears in the dirt The only thing I ever truly wanted to take with me was just to die Knowing I pressed the hell out my son with my life's work And it's perfect When grade school teachers tell your kid they've heard of your dad before So he thinks I'm a star Looking at me like I'm famous But I tell him he's the only person he needs to impress And I can see he's going at it hard Like all age he's striving to get on his report card And I can see he wants to go far He keeps asking me what city I'm in And if I just play tricks on him by racing his rap songs And leaving all my poems on his iPod Maybe it's odd Fate has it that I made an influence on him Just following the love of what I've been doing Strange. I used to think that maybe I was selfish just from following the love of what I've been doing. Writer, author, producer, and speaker. He started writing in April of 1999 and since then compiled thousands of unreleased poems as well as several novels. Now, if you're counting, by the way, step by the bio for a second and note that if he started writing in April 1999, that means he's released an average of one album a year. Okay, back to the bio. Since 2000, Mark has traveled across the country. I used to look in the mirrors and hate the image, not realizing that I had just been lying to myself all them years. I've been asking God for so many things, when really, I've always had everything I ever need. I used to beg for him to come meet me in the flesh, just so maybe we could sit at the ball and get a time. Maybe he'd tell me things like there's nothing more beautiful than any scar I have. Maybe I just want to hear it coming off off the lips of a stranger. And act as if I hadn't already known that I was really God a few years ago. Like maybe he could give me a comfort just to know someone else in the world was brave enough to take credit for what I've been going through. Maybe I just wanted to complain to him and ask him how can he put me through so many trials and tribulations when I've been doing this shit for you. But he tells me that my life is perfect. Like the way a rose comes up from the earth. And sometimes life hurts. But my thorns have been the making of so many of my poems. So maybe it was worth it. Whatever love I may have missed out on just to be left alone with me and my artwork. Maybe it's the one thing God knows I need. Like deep down, I'm nothing more than a fascination I've had from watching the artists paint portraits on the side of corner streets. Traveling from city to city. And knowing his life is nothing more than a resume filled up with all the people he meets. The people he encounters. And knowing they could just mount up to everything. If he could just draw them a dream. So maybe the world was made for me. Maybe things here are exactly the way I want them to be. Like a painter that spent his whole lifetime standing in front of his masterpiece. And afraid to let the world see because the fear might not be complete. But maybe it's exactly how I pitch it. So whatever's missing, whatever doesn't make sense, whatever the difference. Maybe it's been staring him in the face all them years. Because my life is perfect. Just the way it is. Head 
on over to his website, which is simply markmarcel.com, M-A-R-C-M-A-R-C-E-L.com. It's a great site, lots of cool stuff. Check out the link for his CDs, where you can pick up all of his albums. There's a link for Mark's own spoken word streaming radio station. Cool. And don't miss the link for the section of the site called The Underground. Mark has realized that giving away some of his work is a hugely important part of getting out his message. He's made available a bunch of audio, a bunch of video, and text poems all right there off of his page for free download. I really love artists that are this generous with their work. And there it is. I like how you set that up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. So, you a producer as well? Yes. Yes. I've been um, producing for like the last, what, six years now? Something like that. Yeah. Oh, righty, man. Yeah. Okay, you hear that, guys? We got to get up with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it came about because um, I didn't want to wait on other people to do my CD. It's like I, I, I mean, I love writing, and I write so much that I get bored with things that I've written or performed before, so I like to put out new work and, you know, in a way to continue to do that and won't have to wait wait on people, you know, I just want to put out, you know, my own stuff, so I had to teach myself how to produce, and it fell into my hands, for real, like, almost like everything else. Wow, that's amazing, and that's what's up. Um, I'm kind of waiting for $10 million to fall right into my hands. I know that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about um, some of the people that you work with in the um, Spoken Word Nation. Oh, man, um... Actually, you know, I did a CD just recently, um, um, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, and it is a CD compiled of 20 poets, no, like 26 poets, one whole CD, and um, poets all across the nation, uh, on there, Ainsley Burroughs, um, Big Mike, Mike McGee, um, uh, the cow, I can't even like think right now, but just like list straight. Um, but I, I work with almost just you know all like poets out there uh, across the nation in some form of way, or have performed with them in in some form of way. Um, mm-hmm. But um, or have been on the same stage with them some form of way, um, which is a blessing to me because they've inspired me just as much as you know they tell me that I've inspired them. You know, so, or I've inspired other people, so it's a blessing. You know, the spoken word community is so lovely. I mean, and it's so close-knit because Ansley, I'm having him next week. I oh, that's my week. dude. I love <laughs> Ansley, yo. He is I love nice. Ansley. Yeah, <laughs> and that's my dude. Floyd, he sent me a message, and he told me that. That's my dude. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just worked with Floyd, man, too. Yeah, man, that's my dude, too, man. We just um, we um, did a track for his uh, CD called uh, "The Souls of Men," and you know, he's a dope, he's a dope ass producer too, man. He he rocked that joint out like lovely. So, uh, so Floyd is is and his album's doing good on um, CD Baby. So that's good. Everybody go support him for real. Cause his CD's jumping. Oh, interesting, Mark. Why isn't your CD on um, CD Baby? Um, because I've been lazy. I put it on other things and <laughs> doing it through uh, PayPal. But actually, it's funny because I just I've, I've been going through the motions lately 
of putting it on CD, baby. So um, I just got to, like, send in, like, since the thing is, I'm going to have to send in, like, a $500 check to them because I'm going to have, like, 11, 12 albums to put on there, you know. So it's just, it's, I, I feel like I don't want to do one of them at once. You know, I don't know. I just want to put them all there at once. Oh, okay, okay. Because that's where I did get, and I, I noticed I, I didn't. I look hard too, trying to find your work there. But I'm gonna definitely get the CD. I have some tracks that I actually got, and I have been looking on YouTube. So you, you don't stay in like that's your home right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I, I tell people, I appreciate that. Um, I tell people, like. Seventy percent of your performance, if not more, is just you being comfortable on stage. Uh, I tell them if you can, if you look like you're comfortable on stage, you've nailed it. You know, you've you'll have the crowd with you because they'll know you're comfortable, and they're not going to want to look anywhere else, and they're not going to be talking about that you're uncomfortable. You know, so um, it's 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 something that it took me about like three years to truly understand that. You know, it took about three years for me to be like, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. So. Wow, that's one of the things I'm struggling with, so thanks for that. Um, oh, you'll be all right. It's, 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 it's a time thing. You know, it's, I've seen some people get it quicker than than others. In fact, I've seen I've most of the you know, uh, more recognized performers across the nation that I've seen. I've seen them get it a whole lot quicker than I did, just to, to being comfortable. So I always encourage people, please, you know, don't, do, you know, trust me. If I can do it, you can do it, you know. I'm telling you, like, you can definitely do it, you know. Just get up there. I tell people, you know, if you know you're going to do it, it's almost like psyching yourself out. If, see, I don't, I don't have to do this no more. Um, but I remember in the beginning, you know, I would tell myself, all right, I know I'm getting up there. There's not anything that's going to not stop me from getting up there. I already know I'm getting up there. My name is on the list. I'm getting up there. I know I know the host is going to call me up. Like, so, there's no way that I'm retracting. So why not at least just try to enjoy myself and just give the best performance that I can instead of worrying about if I'm going to be up there or not? Because I know I'm getting up there. It's almost like if you knew there's a chance that you might not get up there, then maybe panic a little bit or whatever, you know. But if you know you're getting up there, fuck it. Like, just do what you're going to do, you know. Right. Wow. Well, um, do you have any words that you would tell a poet such as yourself that's trying to get where you're at right now? Man, just to stay at it and just um, – Basically, you know, my life, everything that I've done has been a big um, surprise to me and, you know, mostly, I would say. Um, even though I have always have this gut feeling that I can achieve something, it's still like, wow, you know, I've really done it. Um, you know, my folks, friends, and fans, but um, and, I, and I've had a, a lot of doubts, you know, but uh, going away, not just with mine, but with other people doubting down what I could do, where there's also, you know, family, friends, and fans. And I tell them, man, just to stay at it. And for something you want to do, something you love, you know, just, you know, my uncle told me a long time ago, um, and where I learned to really appreciate what I was doing, no matter how hard it got, 
you know, because it is hard if you really want to live off this full time. I mean, it's no joke. It 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 is. It has. This isn't all you know, peaches and cream. But my uncle told me, um, my godfather, he was the president of um, my god godfather, president of Meharry uh, University at the time. Now, uh, and, and so he's very well educated. And so my lifestyle, I dropped out of college to to do this, you know, to do poetry full-time. I know know it's crazy. My folks are like, what the hell are you thinking? So I went and visited him um, one day in his office. I was in Nashville, and um, I was just telling him, I was like, man, Uncle John, you know, I'm really just, it's hard, man. You know, I'm I'm actually thinking, I don't know, I'm thinking that maybe uh, I should have, like, stayed in college or, you know, it's just hard being out here on the road, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking he's going to be like, yeah, well, you know, I, I told you, you know, it's going to be hard. You know, I told you, you know, but, you know, you got a hard head, though. But, you know, he leaned in and he told me, he's like, Mark, you know, let me tell you something, man. I, I admire you. And I was like, what? And he's like, I admire you. He's like, there's nothing, nothing more special, nothing more special than living off your gifts. And when he said that, it it clicked. It was like hearing this man who not only graduated from college, but dental college and went on to become president of Meharry, and now he's the president of Morehouse Medicine. Hearing this man, educated man, tell a full-time artist who has struggled for a number of years, you know, and it's always a struggle, dropped out of college to do this, for him to tell me, man, keep doing what you're doing, fuck what anybody says, you know, that was all the inspiration I needed. And um <laughs> so you know, I just tell people, you know, anything you do that you really want, it's not gonna be peaches and cream. But um, at least it's you know, you doing what you want, you know, so follow it and you know, just I you know, try to be respectful to people, I guess, as much as you want them to be respectful to you. You know, I guess it's the only bit of advice that I could just give people. And to be open. To learning things. I fucking hate closed-minded people, man. I can't stand it. <laughs> Don't get closed-minded. I feel you on that because that's the only way we're going to learn and we're going to grow. Yeah, for real. Exactly. 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 But, you know. So, um, Mark, uh, can you name some of the states that you actually performed in? Oh, wow. I'm, you know, I've I've performed in over 100 cities. Um, wow. <laughs> so it's almost easier for me to name the places that I haven't performed. <laughs> like I haven't performed in Alaska yet. Um, I haven't performed in North or South Dakota, or Montana, or Ohio, which is very weird to me. I can't believe I have not performed in Ohio yet. Like that's that's, that's weird to me because I performed all over the states that reside next to Ohio and up and above. You know. Whether it's uh, you know Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, or, or, or Pennsylvania, any of them around, I've performed in all of them. I haven't performed in Ohio, um, but um, wow, um, yeah, about that. And I, I haven't performed in Wyoming, even though Wyoming may be my favorite state so far that I've seen. Because it's just beautiful. Yeah, I know it's 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 beautiful. I was I was sick. I was driving through uh, um, driving through trying to get to Denver, 
mm-hmm. and I and I was sick, and I had to get to the hospital. And if I didn't have to get to the hospital, I would have stayed an extra day in Wyoming because um, it was when I hit it. I I was sick, but I pulled out my car to walk around a little bit. I mean, it was just beautiful. I was like, oh my god, just the landscape of it. I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. I gotta get out there then. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, do you have any uh, upcoming events such as tours that you want to be, or a certain space that you about to go visit? Actually, yes. Uh, my next, you know, uh, show I would say uh, coming up would be December ninth in D.C. at Bus Boys and Poets. Oh, snap. <laughs> you come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming home. Come on. And uh, then I got some shows in Baltimore and D.C. in January and February. And in February, I'm going to be in all in New England. And But those dates will be posted on my website and my MySpace. Um, you just will be on my website, which is just my name, markmarcel.com. And just all over face, uh, Facebook and MySpace, it'll, it'll be up there. Um, so that's what's up, and I'm throwing your links up. So I'll I, I know you're doing your thing. You know you've been on me. I apologize. You know I've been so <laughs> I'm up here actually lining. Um, it's funny as 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 you know you just hit me on the chat. I was actually lining out my greatest hit CD. So um, I'm kind of. I kind of, I'm not in a rush for that to come out, but I want it to come out so I can just concentrate on those poems from now on. Because there's so many CDs that I'm just trying to take the best from what it was and just continue performing those poems, you know, for the uh, rest of, you know, my career, I would say. And I continue to do new work as I go on, but, you know. I have a question that's coming out the chat room. Uh-huh. Um, they want to know that your feelings and comparisons of spoken word and the generation of music, jazz, and the ironic similarities of the lack of interest. I'm going, I got messages popping up everywhere. Yeah, I understood the last part. What was it? Um, your feelings on the comparisons of spoken word and the generation of music, jazz, and the ironic similarities of the lack of interest in airplay they both do not receive here in the statements. Um, uh, well. All right. Um, well, well, I always say that whether it's rap, country music, or R&B, those are all children of spoken word. Spoken word is the first art form. It's language. It's the first music we've made. Your words are an instrument. Um, I, and to even more clearly answer that question, um, well, definitely my feelings on it is I think it should get more airplay, and uh, of course, um, but, um, I, I think, you know, it's, there are certain stations that will play it, you know, and have played it and continue to play it, um, but I, I think, I, you know, it's, I feel like it's, it's put it like this, the word spoken word is not, is now a common household name, which is good. So I've seen advancements in the art. What needs to be next is for another poet to maybe be a household name or, or, or something like that. But still, before, I mean, when I first started this, spoken word, the word was not a household name. 
Like, you know, like, spoken word, what's that? But now it is, which is good. That, so that says a lot in, in the events of the art. It's a household name. It may not know particular artists unless you're really familiar with the poetry scene. But um, so that's big. So we have to continue whatever we're doing to keep advancing it. I think deaf poetry was definitely good. Um, I think uh, Lyrics Cafe um, was definitely good. You know, it's definitely good. Um, anything, um, even though, you know, the, I wasn't really floored by his performance. I think Saul Williams being on Chris Rock was definitely good. Um I think all those things for spoken word are good. I think slam is definitely good. It's getting the youth more involved for spoken word. I think all that is good, whether it's your niche or not. You know, whether you think deaf poetry could have did a better job. You know, whether they had too many weak poets on there, should have given more time, more stage time to other poets so it could be more personal. Whatever your feelings are about on it, I feel like it's definitely good because they gave more attention to the art. And we need more attention to the art, so however which way you can get you know, attention to the art is good, especially if you want the art to get there, you know, as a whole. And I think it's getting there, you know. Um, you never know what it takes for the bubble to burst, too. So, you know, maybe it's it's right there. I mean, I don't know. I'm for that big break. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us are, you know. But, I mean, you know, I think it comes, it comes in spurts, you know. It comes in, you know, it, it, I think it's there. I think it's there. I think it's there. I think it's, it's where that you heard it on the radio. Me personally, um, I, I'm from D.C., Maryland, and I'm living in North Carolina. I have not heard of maybe one spoken word piece on the air. On the really? Radio. I'm serious. Wow. You say you're hearing it. What state are you hearing this in? <laughs> well, I don't really mean to brag, but I've heard my own stuff on the radio in California and St. Louis and Atlanta and yeah, Miami. Wow. Yeah. And I know they played it. You know, when I wasn't hearing it too, you know, because I've gotten calls on it. Um, mm-hmm. So I know they're playing it, and um, I've heard uh, other poets stuff being played on the air, just uh, um, in in those particular cities that I've been in: uh, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Miami, Atlanta. Um, and I know they played it in other cities, you know. Um, uh, maybe not my cuts, maybe they have, I'm not sure. But uh, I know they've had spoken word in other cities, uh, North Carolina. Actually, yeah, I think they played my stuff in North Carolina too. But um, so it's out there, you know, it just needs to be, you know, at a broader level, you know, and it needs to, uh, I mean, I think it's there. I think, you know, I would love for it to, you know, come faster. But I think, I mean, I, hey, I'm not going to do nothing else. Unless it's robbing the Federal Reserve. Okay. Um, so I have another one in the chat room that wants to know, are you doing any Los Angeles gigs anytime soon? Um, in January, I'm supposed to be doing some things because I just want to go back to L.A. Um, and that that also will be posted up on... Um, whether it's my my MySpace or my website. Um, And I got some San Diego stuff that's going to be happening soon, too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, you're doing it. (laughs) Maybe you can. Bro, that's what's up. (laughs) I'm going to take another break, and we're going to share uh, with the audience 
Declaration of Independence. This particular piece actually really, really had me interested in what you were talking about. So let's share that. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. This poem is, um, people who know me know I'm fascinated with learning and, like, whatever it is, this knowledge. My favorite president is Thomas Jefferson. I know some of y'all in here are like, what, it's not Barack Obama? Like, No, it's not Barack Obama. It's Thomas Jefferson. And I know some of y'all in here like, you know he owned slaves, right? Yeah, I know that shit, okay? I know that. But you got to understand, you know, people adapt to the way of times. Now, if you read this dude's quotes, this guy was fucking genius. I'm telling you, go home tonight and Google Thomas Jefferson's last quotes. This dude some, said some of the most amazing things that I think today that, you know, just because it was a different time or just because maybe the circumstances like he owned slaves, we don't look at the man's life and think about stuff that he was saying. We don't give him credit for it. So I had to dedicate a poem to him. Thomas Jefferson, a man who could read in more than five languages, an architect, scientist, inventor, and ultimately third president of the United States, wrote in 1776 in this nation's Declaration of Independence that whenever a government becomes destructive to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it is the right of the people to abolish it and institute a new government. So humbly, as I watched the rise of price of gasoline, graciously, as I noticed the men working to pay off a mortgage on a home that was worth far less than what they paid for, respectfully, as I stand before my audience, I ask, so what the fuck are we waiting for? I mean, I used to look for spooks that sat by the door. Used to dream of the day where some of my friends would get inspired, just to be brave enough to bust right through the doors and interrupt me while I was right and say, all right, we're walking right up to the White House front gates tonight. We got gunpowder, food, weeds, and blunts, and I wonder if I flinched when they think they just called my bluff. Fuck it. Come on. I mean, who's really scared of dying? It ain't like no one's ever really done that before. I think we use words like terrorists loosely when clearly they've been the writers of history. Whether it's the European features they've given Jesus or this disconnection they brought between black Americans and Africans from across seas. Terrorism just doesn't exist in the cells of Guantanamo Bay. They've been the editors of newspapers, politicians, and the CEOs of large corporations. The same corporations that donate millions to presidential campaigns. Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, and Goldman Sachs. All companies that donated to both Democratic and Republican candidates. So you have to ask, who's really the president? Because what sets presidents is that anytime someone gives you money, they're looking for something on their return. I think there's something clearly wrong with our political agendas. Democrats believe in the right to abortion but want to eliminate the death penalty. While Republicans want to take away the right to a woman's choice but support the death penalty. Clear contradictions of their morals. So while we elected one of our peers to enter into an organization controlled by the paper cuts on the hands of bankers and the greasy fingertips on the hands of oil men, I come to realize it's not so much the politicians. You see, it's not the men in the system that we need to change. It's the system. And we want it. We want change so we don't have to have laws for who we fall in love with. 
We don't want to have to tell you who our God is or pay taxes on the land no man has the right to call his. I think we should be living by the quotes and ways of this nation's third president. Who knew, even in his day of time, that a democracy is nothing more than a mob rule where 51% of the people may take away the rights of the other 49? And people, it's time. I'm tired of showing passports at borders whenever I want to cross over. Tired of waiting for construction workers to rebuild New Orleans. People, what the fuck are we waiting for? We want change. Not the worthless currency the Federal Reserve supplies this nation, but we want change. So I try to live by the quotes of great men. Never put off tomorrow what you can do today. Thomas Jefferson, a president who knew, even while holding the highest office this country has to sell, that a government is best, which governs least, because the people learn to discipline themselves. Wow. All right. I love you. That's some good work right there. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank And I'm not even about to ask you to explain that because if you guys out there are not getting that, that's what you're talking about right there. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, we have some callers in the line. I'll be coming to the line shortly. Um, I do want to finish up on the interview, and hopefully Mark will spit something live for us. <laughs> oh, man. Put me on the spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, you wrote a book, right? Yeah. What type of uh, novel did you write? Well, I've I've written eight novels. I mean, I've only published one of them, though. Um, but the one that I published is based about a guy in his last year of school and what he sees right and wrong with the world, basically. And he goes through all type of transformations and his outlook and it's you know his friends from all walks of life you know some that in college are going to be doctors some that sell drugs you know he goes to all black university with a white teacher just shows relationships basically with people but one of the main relationships it shows is that you know you have to understand where to place people sometimes because you can be brought down by something you suspected by giving so much of yourself um it's like a humanitarian piece i would say and that's St. Thomas. But I have, like, a whole, like, seven other storylines. So, and I'm actually right now and currently writing my memoirs, which is such a long process. I'm thinking about breaking it into two books, um, especially if I want to, like, tell all of the story. I don't know. Mm. Wow. Going big things. That's what's up. <laughs> oh, um, you did a... Piece for the presidential inauguration ball. Yes, I did. This piece called "To Be an American." I actually wrote it uh, before, like like uh, six months before Barack was elected. And um, in the poem, it's funny because Barack didn't have to be elected president for me to like for the first time in my life be proud of my country. I was proud of my country when I started seeing so, so how much support he got, and I was like, wow, like they really support this dude, and um. When I saw that, um, it just, it made me proud. It's funny because 
the first line is um, she shouldn't have had to explain this about uh, Michelle Obama and what she said. She was like, this is the first time in my adult lifetime. I can say I'm proud of my country. And I and I understand what the fuck she's talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, but funny that she couldn't elaborate on it just because of the race that it was, you know, it's a presidential race. And I understand, but black people totally understand what she's talking about. But I understood it even further than that. Like I say, he didn't have to be elected. It was just the support that I saw him get. It made me realize that the country is is not as racist as I once thought it was, which is a great feeling. I mean, I was just fucking proud to be an American. It's funny because I don't call myself an American. I call myself a human being, um, mm. even if that's correct. You know, I just look at land like, you know, this is land. How, how the hell are you going to tell me I can't, you know, go to – uh, you know, Jamaica or Africa or Australia or or Mexico or something like that. If I want to, you know what I'm saying? How are you gonna tell me I need to get a passport and and and? No, I just, I just, you know, this is land. So I don't, I, you know, I and it was all here before. So I don't, I don't even call myself an American. But I mean, at that time when I wrote the poem, it made me proud and and for the essence of the poem. You know, you know, it just made me proud to be, you know, even call myself an American to say that I was a part of this. You know, that I'm a part of people who, who, who taught me that the country was not as racist as I thought, and it was a great feeling to be wrong. I know that's right. It shocked me. I tell you that, and it was just something nice that. I'm glad my children and I was able to see something my parents couldn't see. So it was oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I didn't think that shit would ever happen. You know, this is a joke where a man asked God, "It's like God, um, when will there be uh, a Jewish president?" And God told the man, "Ah, uh, not in about another fifty years." And 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 the man was like, oh, 50 years? Well, wow, okay, that's not that long." All right, well, God, God, when will there be a woman president? And God told the man, a woman president? Well, there's not going to be a woman president in your lifetime, but there will be a woman president. And the man was like, okay, all right, well, you know, not in my lifetime. I won't I won't see it, but, you know, there will be a woman president. And then the man said, turn around and ask God, well, God, when will there be a black president? And God told the man, not in my lifetime. <laughs> so, but it's so funny because, now jokes like that, it's, it's irrelevant. It's like, and it's crazy because I, I, that joke was more than a joke to me. It was real. You know, I didn't believe it. You know, I didn't believe it. Like, no form, way, no how, nothing. Not in this, not, 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 not in this institution. You know, because you know, civilizations die. They all die. So eventually, something else is going to happen. There's going to be another form of government, and. Mm-hmm. You know, but I didn't think I was going to see that in this type of institution. Me either. <laughs> I really thought, I, actually, I would tell my kids, I said, I hope that you guys get to see it in, in your lifetime, because I doubt it if I see it in mine. So it was, yeah. it was a wonderful feeling around that time. I'm, yo, if I was in your place to be able to do that with the president there and the first lady, that had to have been awesome for you. Well, actually, they didn't show. It was like 30 balls or something like that, you know, and they only went to 10 of them, and they oh, they didn't come God. to that one. But, I mean, Dick Gregory and Harry Belafonte was there and Alice Walker and some other people wow. that, I, you know, that unfortunately 
uh, I can't remember saying oh some dynamic poets um Steve and Say Cool um from LA man they just so uh, I wasn't the only poet there but um it was it was lovely some it was I was like, thankful to be a part of it no doubt really okay um everybody that's in the chat room uh that's listening on the other widgets if you would like to call in and uh, ask Mark any questions or just have a comment for him, you can dial 347-826-9842. And when calling the number, please uh, go ahead and press 1 so I'll know that you uh, want to get on air. Okay? Um, we're just about finished with the interview. We're going to take a small break, and we'll be right back.
right, guys, we're back with Poetry After Dark Original, and we're signing on Mark Marcel tonight. Great guys. You like old school? Oh, yeah, I love old school. Oh, I mean, I, I actually prefer it, you know. Way, uh, actually, you know, 70s music is what I see that I vibe with probably the most. Um, maybe I'm a hippie deep down inside somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I really love this uh, 70s era, I would say. That's what's up. Got an old school love in the house. That's me all the way. We already know. They call me the woman that makes them want to go out there and make babies. It's been a great evening with you, and I'm so glad that you were able to stop by and spend the evening with us. Oh, no, I enjoyed it. I thank you, always, for real. That's what's up. So, um, in wrapping up, I want to ask you, you said earlier that your fellow poet inspired you. Is that all? Is there any other inspirations that you have out there? Uh, well, no, I mean, I have everyday inspirations, you know. Um, actually, truthfully, I don't know if this sounds vain or conceited or whatever, but doesn't there's not anything or anyone that inspires me more than myself. Um, I'm always trying to top myself in whatever essence, form, or fashion it is. Um, I tell people, you yourself should be your, your worst critic, you know, and and your biggest motivator. Um, you shouldn't depend on other people to motivate you. Um, so I just, you know, I, um, I've been... So, yeah, there's nothing, there's no situation, there's been nothing that has inspired me more than myself. Um, but, you know, I get inspired by other things, <laughs> you know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, definitely um, I get inspired by other things. Um, uh, whether it's just somebody's way of life or a thought process or something, you know. I tell people... You know, this I don't really believe in writer's block. I believe in that probably you just don't feel like writing at the time. I mean, you say you do, but you don't because this, you know, you can hear poems come, coming up off the wind. I mean, they're out there, you know, just listen. Pretty much. And that's how I write, you know. I just can't yeah. sit there and just start writing. I have to have something that, that arouses my intellect to start writing. Yeah. So that's what's up. Um, how many CDs exactly do you have out there right now? Um, I have 11, but I'm releasing my 10th uh, one. Uh, not my 10th one, my 12th one. Um, probably the first thing in January. And then later on that year, I'm going to release my greatest hits. Okay, the greatest hits. I know that's good. And that's <laughs> Is that going to make it to CD Baby? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, all of them will. You know, I'm going to put all of them on CD Baby. Um, like I say, it's, it's, like I, have, I, didn't, I didn't want to do one by one. I guess I should. But if you go to iTunes, you can hear my um, my uh, ninth and 11th CD that I just put out. My 10th CD is a mixed CD. Um, my ninth CD, which is called the number nine, and my 11th CD, which is called Respect. Um, you just, you know, search me for iTunes. You should be able to come up and hear something. Okay. All right. Um, we have 
Facebook. I have anybody in here. I have one person. I'm waiting for some more people to call in if they're going to call because, you know, we have short time here. He'll be gone in about 14 minutes, guys. So if you want to call in and speak to Mark, now is the time to call in. And that's 347-826-9842. Press 1. And those of you on the line, I have a lot of you have not pressed 1, so I'm not going to open you up until you press 1. So do that. <laughs> All right. Do you have something that you want to sit live for us? Oh, man. You put me on the spot. I really don't like sitting live. I mean, I just, but um, oh. since you put me on the spot, I guess I'm going to have to. Because <laughs> then I'm going to seem like a jerk if I don't. That <laughs> makes my day. I mean, I really was looking forward to it. <laughs> um, everything. Um, this is my moment. Like the seconds before a crack dealer makes his first sale on the corner. Like a native that's about to slice the scalp off a foreigner. This is the calm before the storm. And there ain't no turning back. Like a slave on his way to the north. Or a Mexican running for the border. This is the life I chose. Nightclubs, bars, lounges, cigarettes, smoking a microphone. They call it spoken word. But I call it they try to bring death to those that have heard. And this is my moment. They say I'm cryptic. My friends hate getting on planes with me because I just make them paranoid. They think I got a death wish. Like they walk the other side of the street whenever I walk out of one of my poetry events. I guess they ain't dying for Christ no more. They must think I'm conceited. My homeboys say I don't even try to hide it. But I keep telling them God's had me on lockdown for some time now. Don't let the diamonds in my chain fool you. I spit enough genocide out my mouth. And this is my moment. I watch men bitch up like Peter. Christians shun me like men did Jesus. Even heard some of them call me a nigga like men did Dr. King. It must be hard to look at me. They must know my poems hang from trees. They must know my words reek with the sewer water, with the smell of the sewer water in New Orleans. Orleans. This is my moment, like the seconds before atonement. I really ain't no fucking poet. I just got a diction that stretches across a crucifix. Got a rhyme like I was a slave to this shit. My friends must think I'm at odds. Like I just hate it when people call me a rock star because most of the names on Hollywood Boulevard have been on the diehard. But this is my moment, and I've been ready to give up my breasts for it. Like a crusade in Rome, like Malcolm when they were burning his home, like Saddam when Americans came for his throne. So I tell my friends who say I'm so cryptic Like I have no conscience Whoever I might offend whenever I spit a poem We all end up in a hearse But this is my moment If you don't stand up for it Then player, what the fuck is it worth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't love me But you do so well at spitting like Wow <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, thank you you. I'm sorry that I, if I made you feel uncrunched, I didn't want to do that. No, 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 no. I, I had to. I mean, I tell people you got to be ready for anything, I guess, it's, it's, especially if this is your job. That's right. You don't get a job. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, I have one more piece to share with you guys. And get it right. I think this one is titled Sometimes. Oh, I sent you that one? Wow. <laughs> oh, you don't remember? <laughs> no, 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 no. I know I sent you a, a few tracks. I forgot the fourth one was that one, though. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I got it. So we're going to share this one. We'll be right back. She said, 
She said I was a sometimes. She said she's heard of men like me before. Constantly on tour. Never have the time for anything more to be consumed in my own art form. Kind of makes her wonder if I can even hear the beauty in someone else's poems. But it's alright. She says she's not here to judge me. It's just that her friends have put warning labels on men like me. She's had to help them put the heart back together again for more than just a few occasions from those who have fit the descriptions of my personality. But what's odd is that she says she doesn't think it's the phobia I have with commitment that's been my problem with women. She just thinks it's that my art takes up way too much space in my life for her to feel as though that she could fit in. So she was my sometimes. And it killed me inside because I knew I was about to lie. So I told her, darling, you're right. You see, I won't want you to feel as though you had to compete with my odd hour nights. Women have been known to get uptight. Think I don't enjoy making love to them as much as I love the right. My exes have probably stared at me with hatred when I finally fell asleep, wondering to themselves what they could they possibly see in me. Even though I tell them time and time again it's the same thing that made them fall in love with me. You see, I come to find that the reason my women leave are the poems. All the time I spent working on my art form. All the time gone for performance, so darling, I'll be here sometimes. This is what I told her. When really, what I want to say is that there's not a word in one of my poems that can truly describe the way you make me feel. And there's anything that's ever taught me is that that's what's real, to be tongue-tied. You see, our words are just equivalent to the material translation to our thoughts, so sometimes it's hard to describe how alive you make me feel whenever you're by my side. And I admit, at times, my writing has clouded up my judgment, but whenever one of my lovers walks away, it sets in again that I'm a failure at every relationship I've been in. So it was never easy letting one of them slip away. And I know you may not know, but on the low, I've been keeping tabs on your favorite things. I know how you like to watch the movie The Notebook over and over again. I know how you like to pick at the chocolate chips in your ice cream. And I notice the way the color in your eyes change, most noticeably when you're staring at me. And I notice the things you do for me ought to please you because you never bring it up again and shove it in my face whenever I'm in a funky mood. And I know you may not have heard the words, I love you, but the truth is, I do. If only this were just a perfect world. And maybe I wouldn't have the material that's been feeding my poems, the same poems that's been taking away attention from you. This is what I want to tell her. But instead, I'm a sometimes. I'm her once in the blue moon, always gone too soon. See you every now and then, whatever I'm in town, the next time I touch down, maybe we can do it again sometimes. And for her sake, I lied, knowing the women that have felt victim to my occupation, and maybe not wanting her to just turn around and hate me in the end. You see, my poems have been my religion, and I sacrifice more than my share of happiness to become the writer that I am. But while my friends and fans say they have nothing less than admiration for my work ethic, sometimes I can't help but to wonder when it's all said and done and my time here is up. Will I be proud of my poems or just resent my art form for the things I've given up? To be or not to be, that is the question. Are you serious? Kill that. Yo, this your man. Sound off now. When I'm in that vibe or that zone and I want to listen to some hot poetry or spoken word, I tune in to my fam, the Angelic Poetess, on Blog Talk Radio for some of the hottest spoken word artists on the internet airwaves. 
So check out my girl, D.A.P., from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. weekly on the Blog Talk Radio Airways for some of the hottest spoken word artists on the Internet abroad. Again, that's Poetry After Dark with my fam, D.A.P., the angelic poetess, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Deuces. I'm out. We're back with Poetry After Dark, the original, and I'm your host, the Angelic Poetess, and we're talking with Mark Marcel. The ladies love that piece that I just played. Oh, it's funny because I didn't think people would really, I don't dig it to the way that they do, but I've been getting compliments on it, and I'm like, really, you like this? Like, so, (laughs) but, yeah, I appreciate that. Like, yeah, I mean, that was hot. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny. They um, somebody because I was asking, I was like, "Really, you like that?" And one of them was like, "Yeah, because it's real, it's honest." And she's like, "You know, that's what we want. You know, that's what we need." I'm like, "Wow, I guess, you know, I guess you're right. Honesty is is the best way to go, I guess." Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Golden words right there. Wow. So, um, Mark, in the next five years, where you want to see yourself at, and um, wow. Uh, I've learned not to uh, place too many extravagant uh, ideals for myself because uh, you can be let down. Like I swore to myself by the time I was 30, I'd be a millionaire and I was nowhere close to doing it. So I went through like a midlife crisis or whatever when I was like 29 and 360 days. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Because I didn't think I was going to win a lot of them for it, so. But um, no, um, so I mean, I just you know, as long as I'm happy and just still continue to share and advance in my work, and you know, I'm the man that I can be towards my friends and people and family. Um, and this is you know, as long as you know, I'm treating people with sincerity and respect and I'm getting that back and I'm happy and my words are touching as many people as I would like to touch who knows maybe in five years I may just want to be a hermit and just want to like own a coffee shop and just talk to people that come in like I was saying like Socrates just pull them to a side hey let's have a conversation I mean just as long as I'm happy you know and I guess that's all I can really ask for that's what's up wow and that really concludes the interview. I really enjoy your company, your pieces. Wonderful. I, I appreciate that, for real. Um, I've enjoyed, you know, being on the interview, for real. You know, I, I really appreciate it. And I'm glad that you stayed on me about it. I'm sorry I couldn't do it sooner, but I was I was trying to get out of L.A. And every time we tried to connect, it was just a bad day. It was all good. I got you, though, so <laughs> I'm very <glad. laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you for real. No, the pleasure is mine. Anytime, uh, just don't be a stranger. Just say hello. Even if just say, hey, D'Angelo, you know. No, no doubt, no doubt. I, I, I no, most certainly will, for real. And, I mean, you definitely got Ainsley coming on there next week. That's 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 one of, you know, my favorite poets out there. So um, you're definitely going to have a fire show next week, too. So that's still. You're definitely doing it. You're getting who you need to. We're talking to you who who you need to, you know. 
Yeah, and it's been a long journey, I'm here to tell you, but I'm glad I'm where I'm at. Oh, of course, and it's going to be a long journey. You know, that's what I realized, you know, nothing stops. It's a continuing thing. Yeah, you got to strive for what you want, and you got to keep at it. You can't be half-stepping. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Y'all heard it here on Poetry After Dark. That's Mark Marcel, and he is leaving the building I hope you all enjoyed him as much as I did. That's what's up. All right, so we have 30 minutes left in the show, and I hear that there are poets in my chat room that wants to get on the mic. Please call me, 347-826-9842. I have my girl Spicy on the line. You're on the air, sweetie, that wants to sit. What's up, Spicy? Hey. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm real good. <laughs> um, this I have wrote this piece for a friend of mine, Pastor, and I I really dig how it came out so. I want to share with you guys. Okay. It, the title is called Treasures. Touches of a dream that imprints you, you in my mind that spoke of yesterday. Hanging on a proverbial limb that leaves me in shreds as others dance around my motionless body, acknowledging my secret of my own heart desire, asking, asking you. Who see me for who I am, and nothing less shall become of what you are to me. As I walk along this pebble beach of mine, I ask myself, Who are you? As many times as I answer that, I something out of the Equation. It, it was you. You who sheltered me from the many storms that have tried to strangle who I have become and who and will ever be. A gift of love you give never ending. But so freely, all I can say is who chooses to give love freely as I have given you to you, I I can't say this enough. Here is some more for, for you. 
to tell on my talk to make sure that my wishes become gentle and mild manners to make sure that my man stays as billy as the world they carry, shade, and get changed to teach the meekness of me and mine to be a to be a part of my list that you shall be on as you send your thoughts into the world to spread my word of that this blissful life. Once again, as I as I count the very hours of you returning home from where you, you once came, giving myself to the very person who has spoke life to the very clay mold I was. Be aware the friend I fail to b- believe because every time I call him, he brings he brings growth of angels just as I asked, or he told them to go. I think El just said it best. How we, how we are God. Little treasures. There is a treasure in it all, but very seldom does one take the time to find it. On the on the other hand, there is he gave, gave us grace and mercy to to seek the treasure. Within, they call us Jews in the rough for a reason, because we, we are treasures, and that is that piece. Thank you. Thank you, Spicy. That was deep, y'all. I'm feeling that. Thank you so much for calling in and sharing that with us. <laughs> and I'll be looking for that piece in the, in the inbox. Whenever you finish, you know I'll put it in, in rotation. Yes, ma'am. All right. Okay. So um, we have about 24 minutes. Um, I have plans to play some more music. If you want to get on the mic, that's fine, 347-826-9842, and I'll let you in. I have 240 that's on the line, so let me bring this person in the air. 240? Hold on. Hello? Okay. Uh-huh. Hi. Kiami? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what to expect because I, was like, I heard the other person doing their thing, so I thought you said you was about to do the music, and I said, like, oh, well, I guess I got some time, but then... It's like I was talking Uh-oh. on the phone with my friend, and then I heard you. I was like, oh, shit, I don't know which one to go, because I like, like, 
okay, I'm kind of on a pause now because now I got to be like, tell the other person hold on, and then I got to come back up to the other thing. So I'm like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> oh boy, my bad. <clears throat> I wanted to get you in, you wanted to sit, so you know I had to let you get up in here. Hello? Mm-hmm. I'm still here. Okay. I was trying to listen to that last poem, but I was like, I can't tell whether you had, um, like, one of the things when people already do a poem and it was on there, whether the person was actually doing a poem on the radio. Yeah. I haven't heard no pieces. I heard probably about one. Uh, Not too many. Well, I don't know if I could do this come on the air, but I'll try to do it. I'll see what you say if you cut me off. Hold on, hold on, wait. It's on it. I mean, it's mature audience. We all grown, so you know, bring it. We good. Okay. It's called No Mommy, Please Don't Let Me Die. Breathing, beating, what do I hear? A life inside of me, a life that I fear. How can I raise a child when I'm a child myself? It's not a child yet. I won't let it affect my health. Mommy, what was that? Mommy, can you hear me? No, this is crazy. What's going on? Ooh, I feel something kicking inside of me. No, this can't be. Let me get rid of it before it's too late. I'm not ready for emotional responsibility. Bills, please. I just want to be free. Where's my doctor? I'm ready to be free. Now I'm lying across the table. There's nothing else left to do. The doctor brings me my method of lethal injection. My child cries out, Mommy, Mom. No, why is this happening to me? Mommy, stop it. I love you. No, leave me alone. I'm not worthy of you. Mommy, please. I won't do you wrong. I promise you. It's not you. I don't love myself. If you let me live, I can show you that I am important to you. No, please, stop crying. Why can't you let me go? Deeper and deeper, the needle sinks in. The medicine destroys her from within. The baby kicks and screams while her mother just wants to end her suffering. Mommy, stop it. You're hurting me. Please stop crying. Mom, why don't you love me? How could my own mother kill me? Goodness. Oh. Goodness. Kiami? Wow. And I heard you spit this piece before, but you can never be, like, prepared for that, so. Yeah. Like I said, I know most people... <laughs> on here and talk about politics or black power or love or freaky stuff and I'm looking like you know, I have oh, never hey. heard this part so you know unless people say that might be like one of them ethics issues like some people might be pro and some people might be for so I was like well I like to do this yeah. let it go I know that's right and that's where poets that's what we gotta do whether it be erotic or you know, as you said, politics, whatever it is, you know, I want you all to feel free to sit what is on your mind. There's no particular poetry that we're looking for. It's just whatever, spoken word, what have you. So, yeah, I'm telling you what you were saying for real. And I can totally agree with the situation because I don't believe in that myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know there's instances of things that have been molested or rape and stuff, but I know some people out here, they have like four, five, six, eight, ten. It's like they just popping candy like it's a natural thing to do. I'm thinking like, well, you know, if that was your life on the line, 
if you wasn't here right now, then would you have felt being in that same situation? Mm-hmm. No doubt. And then sometimes these stories will never be known if we don't get up and, you know, speak it. So yeah. that's the stuff. I thank you for that. All right, so guys, we have about 19 more minutes left in the show. I have 573 and 651 and another, oh no, not another, but a 202. If you're on the line and you want to sit, you need to press one so I can open up your line. I don't want to catch nobody off guard or, you know, we hear something we ain't supposed to hear. You dig what I'm saying? (laughs) Okay. So look, we're going to move into some music because we haven't heard too much of no music since we've been on, so. Without further ado, we're going to have some music.
So what's coming on Tuesday, uh, this poet has been all over the place and definitely perfecting his craft and giving it, bringing it to us, Ansley. So check him out Tuesday at 9 p.m. All right, we're going to try again to get Bad Boy on the line. Bad Boy, speak, speak. No? Hello. Okay, all right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
y'all is on something big tonight. Yeah, it's like they're not attacking my switchboard. They're not attacking chat. They find something to attack, and they got to the lines today. Wow. All righty then. Um, okay. I'm coming through to drop a little wedding piece of sorts on you. All righty. This is entitled, When I Think of You. When I think of you, time just stops and everything ceases to exist. When I think of you, the thought of being an honest man persists. It's okay to dream and nothing seems impossible when I think of you. When I close my eyes, I see the perfect view. Captivating eyes and hypnotic smile, a silhouette of you. Now, I understand that this may be too much too soon, but in my dreams, you're the bride and I'm the groom. A beautiful, a joyful, a wonderful day for all to see. The day that you say I do to me. I can no longer conceal the truth about how I feel when I think of you. Some dreams do come true. I thought about you yesterday and everything was all right. I forgot about the thunder, the lightning, and the rain. I was at total ease. You helped soothe my pain. The cold nights are a little warmer than before. And the lonely nights mm, aren't so lonely anymore. And it's all because of you. In the midst of all this goodness, there is one little thing that remains unfair. And that is... I am here, and you are there. In peace. In peace. Hotness. Hotness. I love it. <laughs> oh, baby, I would love to sit chat, but i got to bring in the next person. Um, bring in thank the you next. so much. <laughs> my pleasure. I'm glad I was able to get through. Talk to you soon, sweetness. Okay. Six five one. I have you on the air. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. Who are we speaking with? PBS and St. Paul, Minnesota. That's what's up. You got a piece for us tonight? Yeah, I'm undecided. <laughs> I got two pieces. Well, uh, one is kind of, I don't know. I got a happy-go-lucky one, and I got a, a, a not-so-happy-go-lucky one. Which one you want to hear? <laughs> um, the not-so-happy-go-lucky one. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> all right, this one's called Bad Blood. With all these years gone by, bad blood is all we have in common. Sad thing is, I would have loved to love you as I should, but time is teaching me that the relationship I long to have will never, ever be. What I don't understand is all the hate you have for me. You despise me as tremendously, excuse me, you despise me so tremendously that you lie to family about me. So they hate me as much as you do. You disrespect, nitpick, and backbite until I despise you as much as you do. I refuse to follow suit. The spirit, the faith, the Christ in me won't allow me to hate my own mother. Though to be perfectly honest with you and everyone else, I really can't stand your evil ass. So many years of this bad blood, hell, I couldn't wait to get out your damn house. 
Now, here I am, 34 years old and 600 miles away. I haven't spoken to you since November of 08, though I still can't escape the nonsense you seem to thrive on. So how about you take all that negativity, all 34 years that you've dished out, ball it up in your hands real, real tight, and ram it up your own backside, and then tell me how you feel. I'm sure whatever pain you receive still won't amount to the pain I'm feeling at this very moment. All this bad blood between us is just crazy. You might as well have been mommy dearest the way shit went down in that house. I'm tired of being your dumb motherfucker, especially since my IQ exceeds well past yours. I'm tired of being your little black bitch. No matter how much you rip at me, I'm still beautiful, and there's others that love me. I'm tired of your lies and disrespect. I don't need it in my life, and I don't need you. But what I don't get is why I let you get under my skin, why I shed tears for you, while I still let you, while I still let you squeeze my heart till it pops. It seems that every time life is looking up for me, you find a way to make me miserable. I spent all day today crying, crying over the nonsense you caused. Every time I think I have this shit licked, every time I overlook your words, every time I disregard your actions, every time I ask the Lord to touch your heart, you show me what you're really made of, and I just don't like what I see. I used to think that things you, I used to think that things just couldn't be that bad between us, but you proved me wrong every single time. To think, with all these years gone by, bad blood is all we have in common. The saddest part is I would love to love you as I should, but time has taught me that the relationship I long to have will never, ever be. Mm, mm, mm. Yo, you ripped the mic. Goodness, man. I, I, I feel you. I, I can say I've been there before, and I understand, and that is yeah. just powerful right there. Thank you. Thank you. That's only my second time doing it. I stuttered over the first time, but woo, okay. You laid it, yo. You laid it this time. Ooh, I was practicing while I was in the wings waiting. I know that's right. Well, please tell everyone where, you know, they can get up that you at and what website you're at and, you know. Um, Right now, I have a book out. It's called Learning to Love Me. You can find it Um, and my I write under PBS, but my book is actually under my real name, which is Lakita Brown. Um, and um, the book, again, is called Learning to Love Me. You can find it on lulu.com, and you can find it on amazon.com. Um, and also, what else, what else? I'm on Facebook, on facebook.com slash Lakita Brown. Um, and I won't give you my MySpace page because I'm never there. Right. PBS, I'm gonna check you out, girl. I'm gonna get over Lulu and definitely yes. top that. That's the thank you. You're thank welcome. You. Can I call back later? Always. Um, I'm back on the air on Tuesday. I have a feature, but after he's over with, I will open up the mic. Wonderful. All right. Can I stay in the back in the back and listen? Continue to listen. Oh sure. Um, but the show is about to close out. I got about a minute. Oh left. yeah. I'm just yeah, I see that. Now. <laughs> Let's say goodbye now. <laughs> Hi. All right. All right. That's the stuff. That's PBS, y'all. Y'all gotta check her out. She's doing her thing. Uh, Lulu.com. Um, I'm about to get up out of here. I got about thirty seconds left. It's um, peace and blessings. Thank you all that came through and. Spent time with uh, me and Mark Marcel. He was a great, great feature, and I really enjoyed him. And I enjoyed you guys' company as well. So check me out Tuesday at 9 p.m., y'all.
God willing, we're going to do it again. Holla. Second time around But before you go There's something I'd like to say Everything's not worth it seems There's a stronger force behind the scenes He's in our lives every day He's right there when we call